Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor at Northwood right here in North Charleston, South Carolina. And I am so thankful that you are taking the time today to listen to this message. And I do hope and pray that what you are about to hear encourages you, blesses you, helps you to understand the word of God better, and most importantly, reminds you of how much the God of all creation loves you. I think today's message is going to be a blessing to you. So thank you for listening. And if you're in the North Charleston area, we would love to have you on our campus any Sunday morning at either 9.30 or 11 o'clock. If you're not in the North Charleston area, you can always find us on the web, northwoodbaptist.com. You can visit our YouTube page. You can visit our Facebook page. You can live stream us every Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11. We would love for you to be our guest, either on campus or online. So you're welcome to join us anytime you'd like. We'd love to have you. I do hope that today's message is a blessing and encouragement to you. And I hope that today's message helps you connect faith to life. Good morning. It's great to be with you all. Uh, We realized that we were here the last time, I think it was either the very end of 2019 or the beginning, probably January of 2020. And a lot has happened between then and now. Uh, for, for you all and for us, uh, between that time, our oldest son uh, got married. Uh, that was a little bit later, I think July of 2020. Uh, he got married. And then uh, now we just found out about a month ago that they are expecting our first grandchild. So yeah, that's exciting, right? I think it's kind of, every time I say that, I'm like, am I that old? Yes, apparently I am. And second of all, what's that? Amen. Amen. And I realized I probably need to start maturing up a little bit, growing up a little. I don't know that I'm grandparent material yet. So I got about six months to get my act together. So we'll see what I can do. It's great to be back with you all though. It's always encouraging. Appreciate Tommy and Stacy and their invitation to come and join with you all. Able to be in their home last night and enjoy some delicious food. And this is how much they love us. They even served us ranch ranch dressing ice cream and macaroni and cheese ice cream. I mean, not everybody gets that that privilege, because when they opened it up, there were only a couple of bites out of it. So I know that uh, they save that for a select few. So we feel very honored. Thank you guys. Um, this morning, I, I do want to, any chance I get to stand up in front of one of our Southern Baptist congregations, I want to take the opportunity to say thank you. Thank you guys for giving. Thank you for your giving, your generous giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and to the cooperative program. Because you give, we are able to serve overseas and we are fully funded and not just our family, but there are, you have 3,600 IMB missionaries serving around the world and you are helping them to go. Uh, Thank you for that because uh, it's interesting as as we're in the States, we get the privilege of going to churches and saying thank you, right? We don't have to come here and say we can't go back to Japan until we raise another $60,000 or that has already been provided. And so in July, uh, we'll go back uh, to Tokyo where we serve. Just so you know how to, to be praying for us and for your missionaries who are serving there. Tommy mentioned this earlier, but 
Uh, we have really been growing our mission family in Japan, our IMB mission family there. Uh, about two years ago, we had 65 adult missionaries, and now we're at right about 100. And so we've grown rapidly. All of those families, they're young families, mid-20s to early 30s, have young kids. And so you can probably imagine what it would be like to take a young family overseas, your family overseas to a, a new place where you don't speak the language, don't understand the culture and plant yourself in the middle of, in this case, a Japanese neighborhood. And so there's a lot of adjustment that's taking place. Their kids are going every day to Japanese nursery school or elementary school. And, and so they take them to school and then they go to language study. That's their full-time job right now. Most mornings they're studying, and then in the afternoons they come home and study. On, most, most mornings they're in classroom, and then the afternoons they're studying language. Um, but God has been good, and he's helping uh, them to, to adjust and giving them favor among the community that God has planted them, uh, them in. And so pray for them, especially as they're trying to reach out to their Japanese neighbors, and they're opening their homes and inviting them in for meals and uh, they're getting, getting opportunities to share the gospel with them. And so praise the Lord for that. We're thankful for the new workers because we're always praying that God will send out harvest workers into the field because the harvests are white, uh, but the workers are still few. There are still about 2 billion people in the world uh, that do not have gospel access. They do not have the Bible in their language. They don't have somebody who's there proclaiming the good news to them. They may not have even one Christian or a church among them. And so we know that unless they hear, they have no chance to believe, right? And so today, as we look at the word together, one thing that I want you to consider is how God wants you to respond. Not just today, but really with your life. Because here's the truth. God uses ordinary people to accomplish his purposes. Ordinary people like you all and like my family and I. It was just several years ago that we were uh, sitting in a pew and, and considering how God wanted us to, to spend our lives. And I'll talk more about that in a moment, but let's look at our, our verses together. And so we're in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. That's our focus text. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. I want to begin reading in verse 7. I'll give you a moment to turn there. So starting in Philippians 3, verse 7. Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. 
And now our focus text, verse 12. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you are otherwise, you think otherwise, God will reveal all, that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. In 1944, Hiro Onoda was a Japanese soldier. 1944, and in that year, his commanding officer placed him and a few other soldiers on the island of Lubang, that's in the western Philippines. And he gave the, they gave them some very simple instructions. You stay here and you spy on the U.S. forces and report back to us what you learn. And then they left them there. So this was 1944. As many of you may remember, 1945, the war ended. Although Hiro did not receive word of that. Or if he did, he didn't believe it. And so then for the next 29 years, he remained at his post. 29 years. That's a long time, right? Um, he remained, some people tried to even come and convince him the war's over and he didn't believe them. And so he stayed until my commanding officer comes and relieves me of duty. He said, I'm not leaving. Finally, 29 years later in 1974, after all of his fellow soldiers had either left or died, he came out of the jungles uh, and, and he returned to Japan and they interviewed him and said, how was it that you remained there for so long? 29 years after the war was over, you stayed there. How was it that you did that? And he said, I was a soldier given a command by my commanding officer and so until he came and relieved me of my duty or told me otherwise, I was going to continue to be faithful to what I'd been charged with. And uh, that's pretty amazing, right? As this man uh, in pursuit of or supporting a secular goal was so faithful and had this kind of resolve, we think about us as believers and how we should respond to the commands of Christ, uh, the call to faithfulness as, as Christians, and so if he had this kind of resolve in his duties, how much more should we uh, have resolve and focus? And so as we look at these verses, uh, one thing uh, that struck me and something that God um, really challenged me with many years ago now um, is this idea that if we truly believe that the gospel, if we truly believe the gospel, then we must live lives pursuing Christ and seeking to make him known. And so for me, it was, it was really a question first that do I really believe the gospel is true? That it is God's only way of salvation? That the Bible is true? That it's God's word? And that if we follow it, uh, we, will, we will live lives that honor God? And um, Because if I did, then my life should look radically different than the people around me, right? And so, but what I, what I saw in my life at that time is, and so this was probably about 25 years ago, my wife, Teresa, and I were, had already met and were married, and we were attending church in, in Phoenix, Arizona. I was in the Air Force at the time, 
serving as a deacon. And I just really had to ask myself, though, am I living that much different than the world? Uh, And if I really believe this, how should it shape the way that I serve my family as a husband and father, the way that I uh, approach uh, even ministry to the lost? And I realized it wasn't uh, really shaping me at that point. Either I believe this or I don't. And that's the question for each one of us. Either we believe these things are true, and if we do, it should shape everything that we do. It should inform every decision that we make. There is nothing that's off limits from the Lord, right? We don't compartmentalize our lives. There's, we have this church aspect to what we do, and then here's the secular, my work life, or even my entertainment life. It's all under uh, the control of the Lord. And so Paul What a great example. He had this kind of focus. And so this morning, as we look at this passage, uh, we can see that he, there's three key elements in this passage uh, that Paul models that if we want to make Jesus our ambition and lead others to do the same. The first key element is this, that we must have a proper view of who we are in Christ and our need for the ongoing work of the Lord in our lives. We must have a proper view of who we are in Christ and our need for the ongoing work of the Lord in our lives. We must be open and honest with others. We need to live transparent lives, right? And so uh, Paul says in these verses, in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or already perfect. And so what does he mean here? He's, He's really sharing with the church at Philippi, that he understands that this process of following and growing in the Lord is a lifelong pursuit. And here we have Paul the apostle. He's actually, he's sitting in prison because he was preaching the gospel. So he is somebody who has already been living out the Christian life. He's not just talking the talk, but he's also walking the walk, but he's letting them know, I also have not yet obtained. So none of us have. We're walking this Christian life towards heaven. This side of heaven, it's the process of sanctification, right? God is making us day by day, moment by moment, into the image of his son. But until we reach heaven, we are always in that process. And Paul says, I also have not yet obtained. He's probably speaking to a a group in Philippi, uh, maybe even some among the church that were Uh, saying that perfection was something that you could obtain in this life and that maybe even some were claiming that they themselves had reached that point of perfection. Uh, But Paul is saying that that is not possible. And so we need to be aware as, as believers that we're in this process. We're on this journey of sanctification all throughout our lives. One of the great gifts, I would say, for us serving on the mission field has been that Uh, God has uh, been teaching us what it means to be humble uh, or to be humbled. Uh, And so uh, going back even 20 years when we first went to the field, um, we went to to the first country we we served in. We had never been there before. We didn't speak any language. And so we had been there about two days and we decided that we were going to go on an adventure with our six-year-old and two-year-old boys. We were just going to go into the kind of the village there. Uh, this was before smartphones, so we didn't have our electronic dictionaries. And in fact, that day we even left our paper dictionary back at the, the apartment. But you know, we're world travelers, it's fine. So we got into the city 
And we just realized like, I wasn't seeing any English anywhere. I wasn't bumping into anyone who spoke English. And pretty soon we needed to find the facilities. And so I thought, you know, here's my kids. They would love to serve us in this way. So I said to my six-year-old son, Jacob, Jacob, would you please go over to that lady and act like you need to go to the bathroom? That would help us out a lot. Then they'll show us where the restrooms are. He was on to me though. And so he said, dad, I don't need to use the restroom. So, <laughs> so he wouldn't do it. So here I am stuck thinking, I don't really want to do that. Um, so I walked over to the lady and just kind of did, you know, washroom. And uh, she took me out to a spigot in the back of the building. I'm like, this isn't going to work. And so, um, but what's been really cool, you know, that was like day two. And now we've been on the field for about 20 years. And the truth is, throughout all of these experiences with the Lord, um, God continues to remind us that he doesn't need me. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. And it's important, though, that we keep a proper perspective of our role in the work, you know, and we, we remain humble and realize that we need the Lord in everything that we do. And so if that's true, if we really believe that, then a lot of our lives should be spent in prayer, right? That's the avenue of communication that we have with the Lord. We should be praying that he would lead us and guide us and that he would direct our paths. And so being on the mission field, and I could share you know, many, many other stories about how we were in situations that we were way in over our heads and we, all we could do <laughs> was pray and God showed up, right? And so Paul also, as he's modeling this for the church at Philippi, says, you know what, brothers and sisters, we're all on this journey together. And so for us, I think it's really important as a church body that we're willing to have that same kind of humility among this family. Um, as you, maybe you're a little farther along in the faith or maybe you're a newer believer. It doesn't really matter. We're called to live life together and live lives really of, of transparency, right? And so as we struggle, one of the things that's been a great blessing to me throughout my years of, of ministry or just my Christian walk has been when somebody who's a little bit maybe more mature in the faith or farther in the faith, they are willing to open up and share their life with me and say, here's something that I, I struggle in, or here's, here's something that's going on in my life. But they also allow me to see how they walk through it with the Lord. And they let me you know, hear about God's faithfulness through that. And then we're able together as a, a body to, to see how God has redeemed maybe a broken situation. Those are good things, right? And so as believers, my encouragement to you is don't try uh, to, to fake uh, the things that are going on in your life. Have people that you are able to open up and share and be genuine with. Because it's not only important for other believers, uh, but it's also important that the world sees that we as Christians, you know what? We, ha we do have struggles. We don't claim to be perfect. We have difficulties, but there is a difference. The difference is who do we go to? Who do we turn to? What do we do when we face those difficulties? And when we do, how God brings us through. Um, it's a powerful testimony to the world. And so we need to live lives of humility and openness and have a proper perspective of who we are in Christ. The second key element that Paul models is that we must live our lives with a central purpose 
that focuses on pursuing Christ. We must live our lives with a central purpose that focuses on pursuing Christ. Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I love that. This one thing I do. I love the focus of Paul. Um, there, the, the famous American evangelist from the late 1800s, D.L. Moody, he said, uh, give me a man who says, this one thing I do, and not these 50 things I dabble in. So as followers of Christ, we need to have the same kind of focus as Paul. He says, forgetting what lies behind. Uh, what does he mean by that? Um, he's saying, really, as believers, if we are going to focus and have one thing, and that is pursuing Jesus, we need to let all of the things of the past stay in the past. We need to forget those things. And what are those kinds of things? Well, it could be past failures, right? Uh, and, and sometimes we look at uh, our, our, our walk with the Lord and we see things in the past that have, where we failed and we just, we can't get over it. We don't move beyond it. In fact, maybe there's fear that has arisen because of that failure um, and we say, no more, I'm not gonna do that anymore and we get stuck, right? And so, so it could be the past failures of your life. It could be sin that has happened, um, but you've, confessed and you've asked for forgiveness and God has forgiven you of that. But Satan likes to bring those things up, doesn't he? He likes to remind you of your past failures and sin and try to tell you that, you know what? You're not even qualified to share the gospel with somebody else. You remember who you were and they probably do too. And so you have no right or you have no ability to serve the Lord anymore. And that's not true. So we need to forget those things and, and focus on the Lord. But it also can be our past successes, right? Sometimes we rest on our laurels. We think about the good old days when we used to be faithful about serving, sharing the gospel or serving the Lord. And, and maybe now we say, you know what? I've, I've done my job. It's time for the next generation. Um, and so we just, we focus on things of the past, maybe even successes. But Paul says all of those things, until we've reached heaven, we must press on. We must push on and towards the finish line. And so uh, we understand that uh, Paul talks about the idea of striving towards the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so until we reach heaven, that's what we're doing. And so it, it's cool here, this imagery uh, that Paul uses, and he often uses imageries of, of military and then also of athletes. And so here we have that picture of the runner running all the way through to the finish line. I mean, there's nothing, you've, you've probably seen some of the videos where somebody's led an entire race, um, you know, and then at the end, they're kind of posing for the photo op or slowing down. And that guy who's been waiting for that moment just whoosh, zips by him right at the end, right? Um, and so, no, we run all the way through to the finish line. I love, a couple of years ago, we were supposed to have the Olympics in Tokyo. This was another thing that was disrupted by Corona, uh, 2020 Olympics, Tokyo, we were going to have two to 300 volunteers from churches throughout the U.S. Many from South Carolina were coming. Uh, and then because of Corona, it was postponed. Um, 
And finally, in 2021, uh, they had the Olympics. No fans. The borders were closed at that time. So we watched them on TV just like you did, even though we were in Tokyo. Um, But one of the things I love about uh, the Olympics and and watching the athletes um, compete is just and hearing their stories. Because in every case, it's always a story of commitment and dedication, completely selling out to the goal of winning a gold medal, right? And so everything that they do, their exercise regime, the things that they eat, sleep, everything is really uh, focused on that goal of, of winning the prize. And so once again, uh, and that's why Paul uses so much of this kind of imagery for us in our Christian life, we need to have that kind of focus uh, that pursuing the Lord is not just something that we do on Sunday mornings, but it's something that's taking place every day and it, it affects every area of our life. So when we think about this idea of having one thing, we can think of people from a society, you know, from culture. Uh, and so I've got a couple that we'll put up on the board and I just want, this is participatory at this point. You can share with me, what is their one thing? So this is Michael Jordan. What's his one thing? Basketball. So you see, Michael Jordan's actually on the ground in this picture. And I'm from Michigan, so I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. Uh, So I really like this picture, to be honest. (laughs) But so at this point, Michael Jordan's one thing was what? Beating the Pistons, actually. There were several years there where he couldn't get beyond them. And that really drove him. He said later, like, the fact that it was so hard to get beyond this one team actually made him who he was later in his career. But Michael Jordan's thing... One thing, basketball, clearly. Okay, how about the next one? Neil Armstrong. Do you guys know who that is? Okay. Uh, space rays, right? Like getting to the moon, walking on the moon. That was his one thing. Okay, we got another one. How about this guy? <laughs> Wiley Coyote. So some from my generation watch this on Saturday morning cartoons. If you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube, Google it. But this guy, talk about focus and talk about forgetting things that were in the past, right? Like he never remembered his last failure. Didn't remember that the, you know, the rocket blew up, the rock fell on his head. And his one thing was catching the roadrunner. Did he ever catch the roadrunner? I don't think he did. Yep, still. (laughs) I think he may still be trying. Okay, what about the Wright brothers? Flying, right? Uh, yeah, so focused on flight, okay? What about Paul? What was his one thing? This, like the answer I just gave it to you a couple minutes ago. So this one's kind of easy, but pursuing Christ, right? Pursuing Christ and knowing him and making him known. What about Jesus? Jesus' one thing when he was here on earth was fulfilling his, God, his father's will, right? And Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we know that you know, when, when God sent Jesus to this earth and he lived a perfect life, the, purpose he, the reason he came was for the cross, uh, to fulfill uh, the, 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 the need to die in our place, right? And so when Jesus died for us, because we as sinful people, we are, our relationship with God is broken and we are separated from him. But because of the work of Christ, 
if we put our faith in him and if we confess our sins, we know that that relationship with God can be restored. And so Jesus fulfilled his one thing. And so for us, here's the question for this morning, Christian, what is your one thing? And one way that you can kind of diagnose this, right, is where do you spend the majority of your time? Where do you spend your energy and your resources? What are you most passionate about? And so for you, it's, I think it is important to think, and even this week, pray and ask God, God, would you show me what my real one passion is right now? And if it's anything other than you, would you help me to align my life uh, with your will? But here's a question that could be illuminating also. What would other people say that your one thing is? And so if you were to ask someone, what do you think I'm most passionate about? What do you, uh, what do you think my one thing that I'm pursuing is? And, and, and listen, right? Because uh, I think others can, they, they actually can show us and help us understand what it is that the rest of the world is seeing. Here's something that's interesting. I don't do this often, but occasionally I'll read obituaries. Um, and one of the reasons I, I find it fascinating, I guess, is I really like to see what is being said about a person. Because really, let's be honest, I mean, it's, somebody has just passed, and now we have about 150 to 300 words to share about that person's life. How do you encapsulate an entire life in, in such a, a short, um, you know, just a few paragraphs? But what is being said about that person? So sometimes I'll read them, and I'm from northern Michigan where hunting and fishing is really big, and so it might be, you know, John, he was an avid fisherman, and he had the, the biggest buck at the buck pole every year, you know, and uh, he was a member of the Rotary Club. That might be it. He loved his family and his grandkids, and, and all of those are good things, right? But I guess a question that I ask myself often, and uh, as believers, we should also ask ourselves is at the end of our lives, what would be written about you? What is it that people would say about how you've lived your life and your passion and what was your one thing? So husbands, uh, I would say this, that the truth is your wife, your kids need your one thing to be pursuing Christ and to know him more and more. Because as you do that, right, that means you're growing as a believer, but you're also growing as a husband and a father. And, and that's awesome. That's what we should be seeking to do. Uh, wives, your husbands and your kids also need your one thing to be your pursuit of Jesus. But the, the, the world also, non-believers, Christians, um, need our one thing to be the pursuit of Jesus and our desire to, to make him known. Because the truth is, the greatest problem in the world right now is what? Lostness. The greatest problem in the world is lostness. And the truth is, it's, it's something that's interesting for us as we... Um, you know, leave the country and then come back and we get to see some, you know, of course we stay in, in, in touch and we read the news and all that, but we, we just see how culture shifts and changes and it does. And, 
pretty quickly, actually. And I think if I were just to watch the news or hear what people are talking about on the streets and sometimes even in the church, I would think that the greatest problem in the world was the politicians or the economy or something else, right? But not lostness. And, but the truth is the greatest problem in the world is lostness. And so all of those other things could be fixed But if the gospel is not being proclaimed and lost people are not being saved, then essentially nothing has changed in the scope of eternity, right? And so it's important that we remember if the greatest problem in the world is lostness, what's the only solution? Jesus, the gospel, right, right. So third key element. And so it's important. This is something I I do want you to be thinking about. What is your one thing and... How can God help you to to, to better focus and align your life with his will for you? So the third key element that we see in this passage that Paul models is that we must strive for a growing maturity in the faith. We're never done growing. So he says, let's hold firm to the things we have learned. In verse 15, he encourages those who are mature and have a proper understanding of things Um, that he has been discussing in this passage. He encourages them to continue on, to keep growing. And so we know this, that maturity and even maturity in the faith is not just gauged by how long you've been a believer or even by gray hair or uh, how long you've served in a certain position in a church. Um, We grow mature in the faith as we follow the Lord and learn to hear his voice. And so again, it goes back to that idea that our journey with the Lord begins when we are saved and continues all the way on until Jesus calls us home, right? We're never done growing. And so we need to, we need to remember that as a believer. And so how do we grow mature in the faith? How do we continue to grow in maturity? First one is we spend time in the word and prayer daily. We spend time in the word, right? God uses his word and times of prayer with him to teach us, uh, to help us understand more and more about him and who he is and who we are and how we're to relate with other people. And, and so the Bible is so important in our Christian growth. We need to be in the word every day. Uh, we need to be praying also because it really is through prayer uh, that not only do we communicate to God, but we listen and hear from the Lord. And as we pray and as we bring every burden or every need or every concern to the Lord, really what we're saying once again is that we acknowledge that we need him. It is only him who is in who holds the whole world and all the events of the world in his hands. We do not. And so as we pray, it really is our acknowledgement of that and asking him to do his will in us and through us. Uh, We need to have a a spirit of expectation that God is going to use us in accomplishing his plans. And so again, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, uh, do you believe that God has a purpose for your life in, in seeing his gospel go forward? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he has a mission and a ministry for you really every day of your life? It's true. Do you seek to know what that is? Do you actively ask the Lord? And one way that you could even do that is each day as you wake up and you're, you're praying is just saying, okay, God, you've given me another day of life, another gift 
of life. Um, How do you want me to serve you today? Would you please bring somebody into my path that I can share hope with, that I can share the gospel with, that I can serve in some way? Um, Do you think that God will answer that prayer? He will. He'll answer that prayer every time. Sometimes I'll I'll admit I've, I've missed opportunities. I've gotten to the end of a day and realized, you know, that person I was standing next to in the line, they were beginning to, we started a discussion and we just ended up talking about sports and I really think they needed to hear something else. And, uh, and that's okay, you know. Um, but if you pray that prayer and ask God for that, he will answer. And so you need to have a spirit, an attitude of expectation that God wants to use you. Students, he wants to use you and people in the workplace and teachers and retirees um, for his purposes. And then, the, and then finally, we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and seek to obey him. So when you pray that prayer or when you're seeking to follow the Lord, God's going to give you open doors. And you know what? Here's how I see our faith being expanded. God calling you to do, calling me to do something that's outside my comfort zone. It's bigger than me. I'm not completely equipped to do it, but I truly feel the Lord leading me. So I step out on faith. You step out on faith and you do something. I'm, I'm positive that many of you in this room have examples that are coming to mind right now when you think about that. God led you to do something. You're like, Lord, I don't know. I'm not sure I can do that. And he said, no, I will equip you as you go. That's how our faith grows. We obey. We step out on faith. God shows up. He somehow uses us or uses the circumstances for his glory. And we're like, okay, God, you actually can even use me. Uh, and, and the next time God's Holy Spirit speaks to you, you're a little more in tune, right? Because you, you didn't say no the first time. And sometimes I'm afraid if we say no, 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 it becomes a little bit more difficult to hear him the next time. We've put God in a box and we've determined for him how he wants to use us or how he could use us. And, uh, and I'm afraid that, you know, we're not going to be able to hear him quite as clearly the next time he speaks to us. But if we say yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in a place that you would have never imagined. Uh, And, you know, for us, and not that we are not the examples of following the Lord perfectly by any means, but just as a testimony to God's ability to use anybody. You know, I I grew up in a city of 3,500, Grayling, Michigan, northern, northern Michigan, and now we're living in Tokyo, Japan, 38 million people. We often walk down the streets there, or I do, and go, how in the world did I get here? <laughs> you know, and how is it that you would use us to do anything in this place? Only God uh, is able, right? And so, praise the Lord. So I would want to encourage you also, be willing to step out uh, if God's leading you to do something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's a mission opportunity here. That happened in the first service too. I think it's timed. Um, uh, <laughs> Maybe it's a ministry opportunity here locally, but you've never done anything like that before. Step out on faith, follow the Lord, use your resources and gifting uh, to to know him uh, and to follow him. Uh, But maybe it's an opportunity to go overseas. I really do think that, of course, not every believer is called to serve the Lord as a missionary on a foreign field, but many are. And so out of your church, I'm certain that God is working in the hearts and minds of, of some of you to go. 
One way that you can help kind of discern that or is to go on an overseas trip. I think that every believer, if they have the, the means and the health to do so, should try to do that at some point. But here's, here's a, a word of warning, if you will. Um, God often calls people through short-term mission trips. Uh, not long ago, we had about 500 of our IMB missionaries sitting around and, um, together, and that question was asked, how many of you did God use a short-term trip to call you to the field? And I think it was probably 85% of the people in the room raised their hand, right? And so if you go, just be warned, God may use that to call you, to call you overseas, and I hope he does. Um, so one last thing I want to say in this area of maturing, and then we'll close, um, is... I think it is, it's really important that within the body, if we want to be growing, we need to be intentional about investing in others. And so I really feel like every believer should have somebody in their life that's farther along the walk than they are, that, that they, can, uh, they can learn and grow from, right? And then somebody else that they're maybe that's the newer in their Christian walk that they can be investing in. And if every person is doing that, and we need to be intentional about it, right? Be willing to go to somebody and just say, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to learn from you. Can we get coffee? Or uh, somebody else, invite them out and be intentional about pouring into others because that is a part of discipleship, right? And it's really important. And so once again, kind of finishing where we started with this point, that if we as believers believe that the gospel is true, then we must, we must live all areas of our lives pursuing Christ and seeking uh, to make him known. Because when we're intentional, when we live our lives intentionally, then it leads us to a proper stewarding of our resources. So we know everything that we have, our giftings, our passions, uh, our resources are all from the Lord. And so when we're focused on the Lord, we can make sure that we're properly stewarding all of these things for his purposes. And so I want to leave you with just these three questions. Um, Because if we seek to align our lives with God and follow his plan for us, rather than just simply asking him to bless our lives, and there is a distinct difference, right? Um, I would say that um, many times the temptation is to say, God, here's the path that I've chosen. I want to pursue this career field. I've, I, I definitely want to stay in the Charleston area and I, I would love to live in that neighborhood. Now, God, could you help make that happen? That would be super. I'm on this path and would you please bless it? And I, that sounds kind of silly, but some form of that is not that unusual, right? But as believers, it really needs to be, God, here's my life. You know my experiences. You know me. How do you want to use me? Show me what you want me to do and truly lead a day-by-day life of obedience and God will lead you probably someplace that you did not expect. That's true. But that is how we align our lives with the Lord. And so here's the three questions. Am I willing to lay my life on the altar and allow God to use me however he wants? Am I willing to lay my life on the altar and allow God to use me however he wants? The second one, Is there a sin or habit in my life that I need to confess and stop doing? Because if we want to be used by the Lord, uh, we need to be somebody who we've we've confessed those things that are standing between us and a good relationship with the Lord. 
And so ask God to show you if there's anything in your life that you need to confess and be forgiven of. And then the third one is, what is one thing that I can start doing this week to help better align my life with God's purposes? And so thank you guys. It's been a pleasure to be with you this morning. We appreciate your support and your prayers. Um, And I look forward to seeing many of you in in Japan uh, this August. Let me pray for us. And Brother Tommy, if you'll come. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word and for the challenge of it. I thank you for the, uh, the example that Paul gave us as he, Father, was one who lived his life uh, pursuing you uh, and making your name known to many. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you for the impact that they're having uh, right now on the people around them and the way that you are using them, Father, Uh, for seeing your gospel go forward uh, in this place. Father, I do pray that if there are any in this room who do not yet know you, uh, that, Father, uh, they would, uh, even this day, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be drawing them and that they would know in their hearts that they were made uh, to have a relationship with you and that they would be drawn to you, Father, uh, even today. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're standing up, let me ask you a question. What is your one thing? I hope that this morning as we end our time together, you can say your one thing is Christ, that you believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ lived for you, died for you, rose again for you so that your sins can be forgiven and you could be given the gift of life. This morning, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you? Would you give your life to the one who did something for you and gave his life for you This morning, would you confess Christ as Lord, turning from your sins and turning to him by faith? If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk to you about that. In the corners of this room are two crosses. There's someone at those crosses this morning who's ready to talk to you and help you today begin a relationship with Jesus. Now, for many of us in this room, we're followers of Jesus. You're, you're striving to follow him. But maybe you look back over the course of the last month, six months, whatever, and you recognize in your own life that, that you've kind of drifted from that one thing. You've drifted, drifted from that call on your life to pursue Christ passionately. Today is the day to be renewed in your walk with the Lord. And I'd love to pray with you about that. So as we have a time of invitation, you respond as the Spirit of God leads you. Let's sing together.